does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Some of the great sounds of the mid-80s, this song was the number one song in the land the last time the NBA All-Star Game was in Indianapolis. The guy that you just heard hitting that shot that sent the Houston Rockets into the 1986 NBA Finals, in my opinion, the most underappreciated, ridiculously impossible shot in the NBA of the 80s. And the most valuable player in that game at the Hoosier Dome joins us now on the program, Ralph Sampson, the former Houston Rocket and, of course, Virginia All-American joining us on the program. Ralph, it is a pleasure. How are you? Hey, the pleasure is all mine. You you, you, you you called me and we got on today. And I'm, thank you for doing all that. But you brought back great memories of being in Indiana. I can remember coming through the airport on um, that uh, pregame and they started the shot with the Lakers. So good memories for me and uh, thanks for having me. Hey, you know what? Let's begin by, and I'm thrilled you're here uh, talking with us. Let, let's begin with this, and we'll get to the coin flip in a second. But the All-Star Game itself in 1985, it was such a big deal for the city, Ralph, because you know you had 24 points in that game, uh, 10 boards. You were the most valuable player. It was a star-studded affair, obviously, but I mean just from a legendary standpoint. What are your memories of being in the city and maybe the hub or lack thereof in 1985 versus what we're going to see this year with the All-Star Game in Indy? Well, you know, I tell people all the time, so I think Magic, I had 24 points. Magic probably had eight assists because all he had to do was run, and he made those great passes. So I, I give him kudos all the time. He gives up like a, a 25% of that trophy. So anyway, it was a great game, and we enjoyed it. But um, I mean, Indianapolis, I think, and, and I, hope it, I don't know if they had an All-Star Game prior to 85, but uh, or after 85, what it may be. But the city, to me, is a great venue for any sporting event. you got everything downtown, which is the first time I was there. Everything you can walk to, that you can go to, restaurants, to the arenas. It's right downtown, so it's a perfect place. My son played at the University of Minnesota. They had the big tournament there, and we go there. But it was a perfect place for that. I've been there for NCAA tournaments as well. So it's one of my favorite places to come for sporting events because everything is right nestled downtown. And there's no other city, I think, like that, that you can walk, have great hotels, and have great food. So I think Indy is one of those special places for sure. You know, when you go back to Indy at that time, you know, and now, obviously, and downtown has been so built, Ralph, as you know, having come to Big Ten tournaments and, you know, played playing here in games for years, sports was such a, an important part of the birth and the growth of Indianapolis. You were nearly – a big part of that and I remember I, I just told the story being in elementary school and they came over the loudspeakers at school to play the live radio call of the coin flip and all of us at Allisonville Elementary School are sitting there oh, in yeah, Virginia yeah, shirts yeah. and we're thrilled right oh my gosh we're gonna get Ralph Sampson what's your memory of nearly becoming a Pacer did you have any conversations with the Pacers prior to that draft yeah I'm sure my agent did at that point in time we, we, we did talk about it um you know, and I was able to come out of high school to the NBA, uh, but I was so, you know, I did and I stayed. And then my, my my freshman year, I was able to come out as well. I'd have been a number one pick probably, they say. But Kevin McHale wouldn't have gone to the Boston Celtics, right? It would been a whole different ballgame. The next year, Isaiah Thomas might not have gone to Detroit Pistons. The third year, I probably should have came up, but um, uh, James Worthy might not have gone to the Lakers. So I could have changed the game <laughs> dramatically across the board if I came out of school. But, you know, and then, you know, I, and I couldn't depend on the coin flip. Um, you know, and, and knowing they'd be like I do now, whatever is probably the best thing I did was stay because then I came out in the right spot at the right time. But I, I didn't mind. I, I would have loved to come there and play with the Pacers and the team they had at that point in time. And the Rockets were still on the upswing. Up uh, they had, you know, Elvin Hayes, Caldwell Jones, a lot of older players that were getting ready to retire. So I knew going in there with me and Ryan McRae, you know, my senior year, that we, we were going to make a change. But coming out early, 
no, I don't think that those teams would have been there. But, you know, I think we did a great team in the NBA uh, that it got to Indianapolis. And, you know, so the rest is history. But the city is great. You know, now I know kind of all is there. I didn't know all that beforehand, before the conflict coming out of college. But if I, if I look back, it would have been one of those cities that I probably would have been really good at and living and enjoying life there and playing, you know, playing at a high level. So it is a great, great spot for me. The Hall of Famer and MVP of the last All-Star Game here in Indiana, 1985, Ralph Sampson is our guest. Ralph, you are viewed by many, myself included, as one of the greatest bigs of all time. In today's NBA, that position has changed so much where outside shooting becomes a part of it and the three-point line is involved in it. And previous players in the past will say, and I view this too, you put any player from any generation that was great, you plop them in any era they're still going to be great. For you, if you were coming up in the mid-2000s, let's say, where all of a sudden they're asking bigs to be stretch fives and space the floor, would you have adapted your game, do you think, to include perimeter action, or would you have made the game adapt to you being as dominant as you were in the low post? No, no, the game, I mean, they would, I mean, think about it. I mean, Bill Fitch was our coach. They would not let us shoot any threes. I don't know how many threes I shot in my career, but they would not let us shoot threes at all. If you shot one, like you know, you, 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 you're you're post up player, you need to get underneath the basket because you're seven foot four, and you should be close to basket to get all the rebounds. That didn't make sense at that point in time, right? But that's the way the game was. And back then, to me, with the art of the game, today's game doesn't have much art in it. You just shoot a three, and you yeah, you work on percentages. And I mean, you got guys shooting three days, you know, from half court. I mean, I don't know how great that is for basketball but it is what it is right it's entertainment and so for me i think i could have played today for sure i would love to play today with the skills over that i had i think a lot of players could have played today i mean i'll make it a, a couple of your yogis out of Denver. i think bill lambeer would have been great today but he'd been slow with foot like he was he couldn't jump high but he never was in the post up he, he, he shot jump shots three pointers all the time right and that's the way they played so certain guys i think would have friend in it nicely in today's game but I do think that uh, you know the big guys coming back a little bit every year. You get big, and the game is changing. So even uh, I take the guy, the big guy at, at Purdue, right? He, he's seven foot tall. He maybe played the again this year, uh, but he's like a Mark Eaton, a better Mark Eaton to me, right? Uh, he's big, like Mark Eaton. He plays similar to Mark Eaton. So there's similarities between him and say they said similarities between me and Wimby. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting him one day and just kind of see what he is and watch him play, watch him on TV. But, you know, we played, we ran, we jumped, and I was able to do that in high school. And I uh, thank God my high school coach, Roger Brady, is still with us, and Coach Terry Holland that just passed last year. They let me, you know, be me, and, you know, they try to control it a little bit so I could perfect it, but they made me practice and practice every day if I wanted to build the ball to court, and my high school coach started that. Ralph Sampson, there's so many connections, actually, for you, that you may not even be aware in terms of just basketball in the state of Indiana. For example, I want to touch on what you just mentioned in Zach Eady. Zach Eady at Purdue has the opportunity, and I think at this point probably we can say uh, will become the first two-time winner of the Wooden Award, joining only Ralph Sampson in that category, the first since you did it and the only to do it since you. Um, what is your thought on right. having somebody match that record and that feat? I mean, you know, sometimes you think about it in, in, in today's game, especially in college, you would not think that that would be done. The NIL and transfer portal and all the stuff going on. But, I mean, I, I, I love the way, you know, uh, Purdue and the coach have put him together and around. And he, he's a big presence. And he, he, he's in the low post again, right? So seeing a low post player do that is great because you're not normally going to see a low post player win National Player of the Year, right? Especially twice. And so I appreciate him, and I appreciate what they do to bring that big man to life. But he's got to figure out also how to play at the next level in the low post or transition again. And, and here, here about the problem with that for me as well. Analytics has changed the game, which we all know. Most of the analytics that are produced at any NBA team are done by Harvard graduates or people like that that said you should – post up here or you should shoot from here or you should play deep from there. But they don't tell you the guy's seven four and he's going to block a shot. They don't tell you all that, right? They know that makes it to me. So you look at all that and you say, 
what's the game going to be like when Edie and any other big guy gets to the to the league? They're going to be game changers because you're going to have to defend him in the post at some point. I don't care who you are. And and, and the players that are, are, are on the teams are not going to be able to defend that, right? So it'll go back to that when you start getting and develop more players that are low post players because that's going to win you games. And when you need a basket or two, it's not going to be the three-point shot. It's going to be the low post big man turn around doing a jump hook or a sky hook or whatever may be close to the basket that's going to get you up two when you need two points. And and, and some coaches, it's like the number coach, somebody's going to figure that out. And, and, and it's going to change the game up a little bit like it always has. And it'll, it, it won't go back to the way it was, but it'll have some flavor to the way it was. I think one of the things, Ralph Sampson, our guest, Ralph, you were on the, the cover of Sports Illustrated. You were ubiquitous on that cover from the late 70s and early 80s. I think you were on the cover six times in the span of like 18 months. You know, you, you went to a Final Four with Virginia in 81 where Indiana was in Philly. Um, and, and during that time, one of the things that was so unusual and that, that made you so unique was your fluidity, your ability to run the floor, your ability to to do things aside from just being a low-block guy. When you look at Webb Yama, who kind of has that similar feel coming in, are there areas to his game that you would talk to him about in terms of preservation of body, ligaments, knees, avoiding some of the injuries that might have hurt you later in your career based on the fluidity and the range that you had at your size? Yeah, so when I get a chance to talk to him, I'm definitely going to talk about that because he's very fluid. When I see videos of him working out, he does a lot of yoga moves and a lot of stretching, which is going to be crucial. You know, I was the first guy in NBA that brought weights in a weight in a locker room in, a, in any NBA arena. And the guy named Robert Ward, God bless him, he's a good friend of mine. So I go to Houston because I was a big weightlifter in college because, you know, you're too thin, you need to gain weight, you need to put on muscle. That was a thought, right? So between my first and second year, I put on, put on about 15, 16 pounds of solid muscle, and then we go to the Final Four my second year. But into the NBA, they didn't have that. They didn't have nutrition. They don't have the stuff they had today, right? So preservation of body is going to be good for them because they have all the technology. So think about San Antonio has, what, a $500 million practice uh, facility and all the bells and whistles around it. So he's going to get the best treatment. They got the best food. They fly on uh, uh, on private planes. So it's a totally different era as far as injury is concerned. But preservation of his body from that height is going to be crucial because uh, you look at and be right? They just hurt his knee. And he's a big boy, right? And he plays. He's been playing hard. He could be MVP of the league this year, but he tore his meniscus. And they're not saying the severity of the meniscus. I tore my meniscus, and that's what happened to me. If you tear it, you try to scrape it, take it out. That's a part of the body that's like a brake pad on your knees. And you go, he's going to keep chopping at him, chopping at him, chopping at him. Then his other knee is going to fail. I know they got better training staff these days, but it's just real. So Wemby, for me, is need to protect his body. He, it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's the right thing that he's with Greg Pavlich and that crew. So NBA is smart, right? Let's, let's get it really straight. They're smart in what, how they position this stuff. And, and, and Pavlovich, you know, new contract, five more years, the highest paid coach in the league, it's going to take very good care of him. And they'll take good care of him well. He's just got to be very cognizant of not wanting to play every night if he's tired or hurt himself. And that's what they did with NB, uh, uh, right? In the first couple of years, they didn't play him a whole lot because he wasn't ready. Uh, and Wimby will do the same thing. He's going to want to play. He's the highlight of the league right now, of the world. And he, he's going to want to play, but his body and mentally is not quite ready to NBA grind of 82 games. And then you got all-star break, and you got to go there. And you're going to lose a lot of games before you win a lot of games. And he'll learn a lot through that, but taking care of his body is going to be very crucial. I would tell everybody out there, I don't know what LeBron James is doing totally. I, I know some of the things. But if you can follow what he does, but he's got a freakish body, you should emulate that as much as you can because he's one of the best people with 20 years, 21 years in the league that's taking care of his body. It makes sense. And then the last thing I would say is you look at a big man like you look at Kareem, you look at Robert Paris, myself, uh, all the big guys that I know, the tie to that and their health strength is yoga. Kareem taught me that early on in my career. I should have done it more, but he was doing it daily. I didn't have that in Houston. I just go to California and do it out there with him a couple of times. But the stretching is very crucial in those ligaments because he's so tall 
And then he's got to guard guards, and that's where I think some of the things you have to understand. Don't worry about those guards guarding them out in, 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 in their perimeter. They shoot a three, they shoot a three. Sit, sit, sit back off of them, try to block the shot, and then when they go to basket, you block the shot because you can't twist and turn like the little guard can because your ligaments and tendons are so long that it puts a lot of stress on your legs. So a lot of things you could teach from that. You know, they got David Robinson and, and, and Tim Duncan down. I'm sure they uh, tell them to help him a lot, but, you know, hopefully they can teach him, you know, some things as well, which I'm sure they will. But you just got to protect his body at all costs. Ralph, lastly, that 1985 All-Star game, Ralph Sampson is our guest. That's the All-Star game. You were the MVP. I know you were on the West and not the East, but the long-standing almost 40-year story of that game was that that was the game where allegedly Michael Jordan was frozen out by Isaiah Thomas and the members of the East that didn't want the young buck. Did you witness any of that? You know, I didn't really pay attention to it. Um, Again, we were an opposite team. I've heard it after the game, and I I haven't even gone back and looked at the whole lap. But you heard the whip between Isaiah and Michael. It's been historical over the years. To me, that's just a competitive spirit no matter what. And it stays till this day, I'm sure, to some extent. But, you know, you squash all that because I like the competitive nature of everybody, right? And, and we all have one. And you want to win. And then Detroit and Chicago, they would battle each other all day long. So it stayed in the All-Star game probably. It stayed in the locker room. Who knows how, how long it went under the scenes. But I never saw it live. And I didn't really pay attention to it because I was more worried about our team and what we were doing and beating the Lakers and everything else before I would worry about somebody else's team. Now, lastly, Ralph, if you come for the All-Star game this weekend and Jerry Seasting's here, do you have to buy him dinner or how does that work out? Uh, yeah, no doubt. Between Danny Ames and him, I may have to buy him dinner. <laughs> but I think it's probably dinner because they, they started it. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was rolling in that game because I had to say, okay, great. If y'all going to win, you can't win on our home court. I mean, they won the series, okay, great. But you're not going to win in Houston. And so I was prepared to play and ready to play. And if you watch that video, they were coming off picks. I was sitting picks down where they'd come off, and they would hit me in crazy spots, as you know. And so I got frustrated after about the third time. And things just escalated. And uh, we had to go to blows. I got kicked out. We won. But remember, we Akeem got kicked out in that game that I went and got the shot with the Lakers, and we had an argument there with Marvis Lucas and the crew. So we were a feisty bunch. We were ready to play. <laughs> we, we hung together, and we we didn't take we didn't take uh, anything lightly. So you know we we were good. Basketball in the eighties, man, I love it. And Jerry Jerry Seasting will meet you at Elmo and buy you your shrimp cocktail. Ralph, how's that to make up for it? Um, well, I, 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 I'm allergic to Jerry Seasting. I'm allergic to shrimp. So, <laughs> so but we, I'll take a, I'll take a steak. I'll take a steak. <laughs> All right, Ralph. Listen, um, I appreciate it, man. It's a it's a thrill to talk to you, and you are certainly a part of Indiana basketball lore with the. Uh, most valuable player award back in 85 the coin flip and all of it but one of the great names in basketball and certainly appreciate the time today enjoy the all-star game weekend thank you god for having me and then we'll have it again when it's over anytime let me know but you guys enjoy as well thank you appreciate it ralph sampson the 1985 nba most valuable player life is full of things to manage your work your family your plans and your treatment consider Kesimpta. Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. So it appears as though, by the way, Adrian Wojnarowski is going to join us shortly. He has an event coming up tomorrow night at the Vogue. It gets underway at 8 o'clock, the Woj podcast, uh, live with Tyrese Halliburton. And Things get underway at 8 o'clock. Grant Hill going to be there as well. You can attend at the Vogue. It is 21 and over. It is uh, $50 per ticket to go see the Woj Podcast Live with Tyrese Halliburton and Adrian Wojnarowski, who, when it comes to essentially NBA news, needs no introduction. It goes without saying. Um, And so basically, I will just say that what we just said serves as exactly that, the introduction for Adrian Wojnarowski, who joins us now and will be at the Vogue Tomorrow night, Adrian, first and foremost, uh, have you been to the Vogue, Vogue before? Because it's a cool as hell establishment. You know, hey, guys, first of all, thanks for having me on. I have not been there. I've seen photos of it and talked to folks who 
think especially some people who've lived in Indiana, who've moved on, who hit me uh, when they saw that we were doing the pod uh, live podcast there. We're just really excited about that as a venue for this. So Tyrese Halliburton, Grand Hill, it's uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I love I've, I love big events in Indiana. I've been to Final Fours there. I think All-Star Weekend will be awesome there. And uh, I, I think that's going to be a great venue uh, for people to, you know, get, get pretty up and close with, with uh, you know, really one of the big stories of this NBA season. And obviously, you know, the story uh, for the Pacers and Tyrese Halliburton and, and, of course, Grant Hill, too. So let's go back to how this all came about. Adrian, because as you mentioned, Tyrese Halliburton has had a meteoric rise here in terms of becoming in the national forefront for players. Obviously, the All-Star game being here facilitated that, but how did you put it together to get Tyrese Halliburton, and do you believe, in fact, that he is the kind of personality, not just good for a podcast, but one that can get players to come to Indiana? He's already done it. I mean, uh, uh, Pascal Siakam a big part of why he was so open to the trade to Indiana, why he's so open to the idea of re-signing with the Pacers was to play with Tyrese Halliburton. And um, I hear it all over the league. I hear it from players. I hear it from their agents. Uh, you can't get them all. You know, it's, it's like you can, guy can want to play with you, but there's constraints, right? It's not AAU basketball. You can't just, Hey, I'm going to start playing for those guys next weekend. But I think it's a player like pa- Pascal Siakam. And then, the, you know, as you build the pieces around them, the young players developing in Indiana, and then as you add guys, um, who he is, how he plays, how he leads um, is inviting for players. And it's a huge reason why Indiana's where it's at now and why they can keep building this team because um, he makes it easy for everybody. Uh, he's easy to play with. He's easy to be around. And uh, there's an there's a magnetism to Tyrese Halliburton that you know you don't have to be a player or his coach or his general manager or president to see it. You're a fan. You, you everybody sees it, and and you know it when you see it. And so I think I think for Halliburton for the Pacers, um, you know, listen, it's not an accident. Pascal Siakam ended up in Indiana. That his that the confidence the organization had that they could trade for him. And this is a player who wanted to be there and wanted to resign was huge because you wouldn't give up, you know, in a, in a market like Indiana where typically it is not easy to, uh, number one, it's not easy to attract big free agents. Number two, there are very few big free agents who go into free agency anymore. Most of this stuff is done by trade. And so if you're going to give up what they gave up for say, Siakam, you want to have some confidence, you can keep the guy. And and they have that confidence, and a big part of that is is Halliburton, though. Adrian Wojnarowski is our guest. Woj, for you, what is more satisfying in your news-breaking landscape? Because we all have your notifications turned on for a reason. Is it free agency? Is it the trade deadline? Is it the draft? Or do you get the most excitement on breaking news? <laughs> it's the next one. I know it's <laughs> it's the next one. I, I, I really look at it like my excitement is in the next one, whichever one is coming next. I don't weigh them. They all have different levels of gravity. There's no question, but um, I just try to keep focused on what's coming next. And it comes pretty fast in this league from trade deadline to end of the season. Uh, you know, there's news around obviously coaching cycle into the draft free agency. I think this is going to be a really I think around this draft, around this free agency, it's not a great free. It's probably not going to be a great free agency class, which means you're going to have a lot of trades. And I think you'll have a lot of pick, a lot of trades, uh, picks on the board of players moving around. You're just seeing fewer and fewer big name players go into free agency. I think the sense is, I will take the money now. I will fix the destination later, right? Because you can make. You can, you can get paid at a higher level by re-signing and then you can ask for a trade or you'll get traded. And so you're seeing fewer and fewer high level players really go into free agency. That doesn't mean you don't have them, but it's not quite what it was. And so you better be ready um, and preparing at all times for 
you know, just the calendar of news that just just keeps coming at you. Adrian Wojnarowski is our guest. Again, the Woj Pod Live is going to be tomorrow night at the Vogue. Everything gets underway at 8 o'clock. Doors open at 7. Tickets are available at Vogue.com. Again, it is a 21 and over event because it's a nightclub. But it's, uh, I think most people in Indy know, one of the best in town, the Vogue. A lot of great memories at the Vogue. And you can create your own tomorrow night. Just $50 a ticket, $7, uh, 7 o'clock, excuse me. The doors open, 8 o'clock. Everything gets underway. Tyrese Halliburton, Woj, and Grant Hill. Adrian, when you talk about Pascal Siakam, let's say for the sake of the conversation that, in fact, Indiana is able to extend him. Do you think that the Pacers then go out and via trade or whatever it may be are still looking for kind of that third running mate to go with that tandem? Or do you think Indiana feels they may have it with their younger pieces that just simply need to blossom a la Benedict Matherin, Aaron Neesmith, Andrew Nimhard combination thereof? Yeah, I think it's the latter. I, I like This is a salary cap, especially in smaller markets where you're not seeing, you're not going to see teams up in the second apron in small markets um, that you can pay two max players. You can have two stars. And, you know, Miles Turner is significant on significant player, borderline all-star this year. You could have made a case for him as one of the all-star reserves um, or somebody who could have been a replacement. Uh, but, yeah, I think if you're the Pacers, you want to see it with Ben Mather and you want to see the growth of those young players. There's not really a world where you're going out and tr- getting a third star. You just can't build a roster and a payroll around that in this new age. And so that was the league's goal when they negotiated the CBA. They wanted that second apron, which essentially makes it so prohibitive to be up in that second tier of luxury tax because they wanted to spread the players around the league. So instead of Pascal Siakam, instead of the Warriors or the Clippers or the Lakers going, hey, we're a big market team, we don't care how much luxury tax we have to pay. We can, we can bring on or keep that third star or that fourth star. You can't really do that anymore. And so that only creates more momentum for players like an all-star level player like Pascal Siakam to, to land in one of those non-glamour markets. And players are going to see with cap space, if they want to get paid at the highest level, if they want a max deal, it's, may not, it may not be in the, let, let's say, the five or six really big markets. You're probably going to have to go to a smaller market to get it. And they will. They will. And so, um, so I think it's good for parity. It's good for smaller markets like Indiana. And I think there's a core there for the Pacers that you've seen that they can keep a group together here. They can build around it. And um, I'll tell you what, I know one team up the road in Milwaukee that does not want to see them in the first round of the playoffs, right? Yeah. They've had their number, right? Yeah. Like they don't, they don't want to see the Pacers. Um, And so uh, they're not going to be an easy out in this postseason. Uh, They played Boston really tough. They played, you know, they've, they've been terrific. And I think Rick Carlisle, we talk about coach of the year candidates. Rick Carlisle should be in that conversation. I think he has transformed this organization. And, you know, obviously bringing in Halliburton was a huge part of that. Um, And this team will get better defensively. Siakam helps them become better defensively. Um, This isn't Rick Carlisle. This isn't the Rick Carlisle basketball that, you know, you, you think of through the years, but what Rick has done is adjust with the talent he had, see that he could play faster and at a speed with Halliburton um, that gave them a pathway to win. And he's got, you know, a historically good offense and a defense that they know that needs to get better. Siakam helps them do that. Young players tend to defend a little better as they go along in their career. And there's certainly some play, you know, some pieces around the edges you can bring in over time that, that will help them on that end of the floor. Adrian, did you ever watch Adrian Wojnarowski is our guest? It probably would have been when you were at St. Bonaventure, maybe shortly thereafter. But like when The Sixth Sense came out or any of those movies by M. Night Shyamalan when he had like that run of, of movies, did you ever get into any of those? No, I never, I've never seen any of that. Oh, wow. My, okay. My movie history is limited. I'm the guy who watches the same movie 50 times instead of watching a new one. I don't, I don't know what <laughs> you've that seen sh- about me. Okay, hold on. You've seen Shawshank <laughs> yeah. Redemption, correct? Yes, yeah, I've seen that. Okay, thank you. Okay, so Mm -hmm. these guys have not. But here's the point I'm making. That guy, in that director in all of his movies, 
at the end of them, they have this like surprise ending, and you're like, oh my gosh, how did I not see that coming? Okay. Over the course of the movie, nobody ever thought the surprise ending would be that Paul George could end up back in Indiana. Now, is that simply <laughs> Hollywood script, or is that an actual movie that could play out before our very eyes? <clears throat> I think that because of the success they're having in L.A., and that Paul George, they have been waiting through lots of injuries, lots of frustration, to have the kind of season that they're having with the Clippers. That I think he's motivated to get a deal done. The Clippers are motivated to get a deal done. They have not gotten a deal done. And certainly the longer it goes, like there's a chance I – listen, if we are in – if Paul George makes it somehow into July, yeah, like then it's – then you'd go, okay, like it becomes more real. We can we can look at the teams who have cap space – and who would be teams where you could win or make the case for it. Philly's one of them. Indiana's one of them. Uh, Orlando could have cap space. I don't know if that's the direction they want to go, but, but that's a really good team. Uh, you know, like if you want to make the case for it. But I think that Paul George wants to be where he is. The Clippers certainly want to keep him. But these are negotiations, and so they have time, and they'll negotiate. But I think it's more of a product of this new – we talked about it – this new cap where if you're going to just max out your 30 something year old veterans, um, you know, they have to resign James Harden. Like it is hard to put a roster around them. And so you saw Kawhi Leonard take less than the max. It sure seems like they would like Paul George to do that. And so it's a negotiation. Where's the number they can all land on. Uh, But Again, if this thing drags out and there's no deal done, then I think it's something that's not inconceivable. But I still think there is – those are two sides motivated to figure it out. Um, I would still bet that they figure it out together. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski is our guest. Again, the Woj Pod live at the Vogue tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. You can still get your tickets at thevogue.com slash events for $50, 21 and over. Grant Hill will join him along with Pacers superstar Tyrese Halliburton. Adrian you mentioned how the second apron has taken away that big three era that was designed by the league and the owners in, a, in large part for competitive balance and make it harder to create the, the big three era super team. And with the Pacers already having a lot of money tied up next offseason, assuming they're able to retain Pascal Siakam and Miles Turner already being on the books and the rookie extension of Tyrese Halliburton kicking in, they're going to have to operate like a lot of teams, not just small market teams in the margins and get creative with how they want to add more depth in today's NBA with where the cap situation is. What matters more to today's role player, more money or good situation? I think money's number one, but I think if good situation becomes more important, deeper into your career. I think I think when players have made a lot of money and they haven't won yet, or they've won and don't want to be in bad situations, I think that um, – and it also means how much more money, right? Significantly more money or maybe just a little bit more. But I do think, though, that it's easier to stay somewhere you are when you like it and you're comfortable than to maybe chase a little bit more somewhere where there's so much uncertainty in a, in a different place. And so I think for good organizations – the best recruiters for any team are the players they have because they all talk and they know how different players feel about different situations. And the word is out. Like you want to play with Tyrese, right? You want to play with this group and uh, that's a good thing. And so it's good to keep the guys you have. And then as you add, you know, especially when you get in the margins and there's a player with five or six offers that are all, maybe it's the mid-level exception. Maybe it's, um, Maybe it's minimum deals where everything being equal and the money's not different. I think Indiana can now make a case of like, we're going to, and the other thing too is, can they improve my value when you're scoring in numbers, when you can be in a place where 
you go somewhere on a one-year deal, you want your value to improve. You want to be at a place where the coach gets the most out of you. That's one of Rick Carlisle's great gifts as a coach. You've seen it throughout his career. Look at all the guys who are having career years. He did it in Dallas a lot. And, and I think that has value, too, that you're not going to come to a place and he's going to figure out what you do well, maximize it. And that's, that's why he's a Hall of Fame coach. So I think all of those factors are helpful for the Pacers. Um, and, you know, I think that's going to benefit them as they keep trying to build this roster going forward. Senior NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski is our guest. Woj, there's two players on the Pacers that I want to ask you about that could be in different situations next year. There's a couple players that could, but two I want to focus on are Obi Toppin, who's a restricted free agent this coming offseason, and Jalen Smith, who has a player option of about 5.4. From my vantage point, if I was Jalen Smith, I'd want to opt out of that, see maybe if I can make a little bit more money. Maybe he stays with Indiana. Who knows? But let's say he opts out, and Obi Toppin's a restricted free agent. They're both power forwards. They both do similar things. Maybe Obi's upside is a little different because of the way he plays and his ability as an outside shooter. When you look at those two pieces, though, restricted free agent Obi Toppin and Jalen Smith hitting the open market in this scenario, do you envision teams having any interest in them to where the Pacers could have to make a tough decision of who they want to match and who they want to re-sign? Yeah, and, and it only takes one team. Especially restricted free agency is tricky. Um, it's hard. Typically, in restricted free agency, you have to overpay to get a guy um, because teams are just going to match so they don't lose the asset, and then they can always trade a player later. And so that's why sometimes you see these really big balloon restricted free agency offers, and typically then they still get matched. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Jalen Smith's interesting. The, the Pacers, you know, they didn't want to give him up in the Siakam trade, they were able to hold on to him. Uh, certainly both players are going to have value, whether it's in Indiana or elsewhere. Uh, but, you know, again, so there's so many factors on why a player stays or goes. And there's no question money's important. And, and typically guys aren't, especially younger players or players who say, Hey, this is my best chance to get one, at least one big deal. That's going to usually dictate it, but all things being equal, I think, again, this is a fun place to play. Um, you know, certainly, I think for Jalen Smith, um, you know, he's got probably a little more freedom in what he's doing because he's not restricted. He can, like you said, he's got an option. And so I, it'll be interesting. Those are all going to be the hard decisions you have to make. And teams, I think you're seeing players on shorter contracts generally and a little more turnover on NBA rosters than you used to see. It's starting to feel a little more like football with shorter deals, guys cycling in and out of free agency every year. And it's hard to have the continuity on the roster that, you know, maybe you would love to have. You're just, you're just going to have guys on shorter deals moving, moving in and out. And the good thing for the Pacers is they've drafted well. They have developed their guys. And so when you lose a veteran and you have young guys developing who are still on cheap contracts or guys you don't have to pay extension money to for some time, you're on these controllable contracts, they call them, you know, that's how you do it because typically always you're going to overpay in free agency. If you're bringing in a player from the outside, usually you're paying a little more to get them um, than if you're just re-signing a guy, keeping your own. Lastly, Adrian, I know that you've got uh, to get on television here at the top of the hour. So appreciate the time. This is the time of year when you get done tomorrow night with the podcast that gets underway at eight o'clock at the Vogue, Doors open at 7. People can be there for just $50 to watch with you, Tyrese Halliburton, and Grant Hill. Um, when you get done with that and we go through the All-Star game and then the season resumes, and I know there's basketball between now and then, but that's the time of year sometimes where teams all of a sudden gel together that just weren't healthy or they're young, and then come spring you go, oh, wow, these guys are a totally different team than they were in October, November, December, and now there's something to be reckoned with. That team this year could be who? a good question um cleveland's already doing it they got healthier faster than you uh they went on a run faster than you thought they would coming off of those injuries i think golden state is starting to hit some stride too i think they lost lots of close games draymond is back and playing really well uh clay thompson certainly they need him on track but jonathan kaminga has been awesome and you see the patience they had with him and 
Uh, obviously, Steph Curry is still Steph. I think that's a team. It's not the young team, but it's the team that I think is going to get a second wind at this. Uh, I think they're one. And, you know, you've, you've seen it. You know, the, the team last year that kind of did that was Miami late. They've been so beaten up and have just been had guys, uh, an amazing win last night in Milwaukee, down so many guys. You never count them out if they get their guys healthy. But, uh, again, I think so much of the playoffs, too, is matchups, and we talked about it earlier. Uh, I don't know that Indiana wants to drop down and be the seventh seed. There's no reason that you don't want to just keep climbing the standings, but you know the Bucks don't want to see them in a 2-7 right. series. And so uh, I do think this is a Pacers team as they get healthy, get guys back, get some rest over this all-star break. Uh, they're going to be, um, you know, Tyrese is himself again. He went through uh, the hamstring issue there for maybe about a month where it was dogging him. And now it seems like he's, you know, uh, he's back to full strength. Um, you know, the Pacers may end up being that team. And of course, Pascal Siakam really settling in and, and getting comfortable. Um, Again, it might be right there in Indiana. The last three shows that I have seen at the Vogue are too short, Colin Hay and public enemy. So no pressure. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I've got Tyrese Halliburton and Grant Hill to carry me, but I appreciate it guys. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be fun. It'll be fun to see people in Indiana. There's no better basketball community uh, anywhere. And I've been at the five covered final fours there and loved it. And I used to bring my son to, we used to go out in the summer and go to Tom Crean's basketball camps. And my son was younger and, and drove, you know, have driven the state and stopped in all the towns where there were great players from. And like, I love doing that. And so I think having an all-star game, there's going to be awesome. I know the community is going to rally around this. And, and I think having Tyrese Halliburton, a pacer as a starter in this game and, I mean, he's going to be the mayor of Indianapolis this weekend, and we're, we're lucky to have him on that pod Thursday night uh, to kind of kick the weekend off. If Grant Hill can finish the lobs that you throw to him like he did from Bobby <laughs> Hurley in the Dome in 91 to start the Final Four, you're in good shape, Woj, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, appreciate the time. Thank you, guys. I appreciate right. it. Adrian Wojnarowski joining us on the program again tomorrow night. Vogue.com is the website where you can get tickets, doors opening at 7 o'clock and the event getting underway at 8 o'clock. Tyrese Halliburton will be there as well. Live podcast with Adrian Wojnarowski. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Joining us now in the program, you will see him on the pregame and postgame discussion with Jeremiah Johnson, also on the radio with Mark Boyle from time to time, Eddie Gill from the Pacers. Uh, Eddie, I'll begin with this. Are you feeling okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. How you guys doing? Uh, we are good. I, we were just talking about the fact that – and you tell me if I'm – if I need to be concerned, I guess, you know, Rick Carlisle had said yesterday on our morning show with KB and Andy that he had concerns about Matherin's health. Um, Matherin had hurt his leg. He had called it leg injury against the Knicks. He did not practice today, and it is listed as like health and leg both. Is there any within the team kind of, I mean, I guess I'll just say a cold bug going around and Matherin it's been more stubborn with? Uh, that's a that's a great question. That's probably even a better question for, for Rick to answer. I'm not sure how he would have answered that. Um, I, although I'm around them and, and with them as we, as we travel and those types of things, can't say that I'm I'm keeping great tabs on on the on the on their health of their team or in terms of you know a sickness or or bug and that kind of thing. I do understand it's that time of season and yeah, over time it, it, it hits a little bit of everyone. But um, in terms of extent or how how bad it is, I'm not sure. How important a period is this? And we'll begin with Benedict Matherin, uh, since we're, that's the topic. When you when you have the trade, Buddy Heald is now in Philly and playing well. Um, how long does it take to kind of settle in, Eddie? When you have you know new rotation, and how important a time period is it for Benedict Matherin, for example, with his role seemingly elevating? Um, I think it's it uh, it'll be less of an, an adjustment for him just by virtue of him being here for you know a year and a half, almost two years now. 
Uh, so he's been in the system. He's been with the coaching staff. He's been with the majority of these players. Um, so he has played in, in starter roles. Um, even as, as as his rookie year, he was able to play some some, uh, some of that a little bit and and ex- added expectations and responsibility. He's been able to take advantage of and, and really just embrace. He's a he's a fearless kid and, and just looking to grow and, and wants to be coached hard and, and those types of things. So um, I feel optimistic about what, what his future is and, and definitely not too concerned with um, the elevated role that he may see here in the near future. Eddie Gill, the Pacers Radio Network, is our guest. Eddie, the Pacers have lost two of their last three, but you zoom out a little further, they've won three of their last five, so it all depends on how you want to look at that. I don't mean this question negatively, because I feel like they still have everything in front of them, but with the illness that's going around and the last memory in our mind, maybe they changed that against Toronto, but the last memory we have before the All-Star break is their struggles against Charlotte. Does this feel like a team that needs the all-star break not not in a sense that like they're on a downward path but that this reprieve could be good for them in the long run i think it will be good good for them i think it's actually good for the entire nba everyone around this time um and to your first point everyone is dealing with something whether it's a, a sickness due to the you know obviously the weather and, and, and just bugs going around or it's just the inevitability of just the wear of the season where there are just nagging injuries where everyone could afford uh, an opportunity to, to sit down and rest and decompress both mentally and physical physically. Uh, I think this definitely will be will suit the patients well based on their kind of up and downs over the last couple weeks or so. Um, obviously having this game here with, with the Raptors, you'd like to, to go into the break on a positive note, feel good about yourself uh, as you look towards the the back end of the of all-star break and really start to make that playoff push. Eddie Gill is our guest. Eddie, when I watched Indiana for the vast majority of the season, really, one of the things that jumps out at me, in particular offensively, is their incredible ball movement around the perimeter. You know, oftentimes, even and Buddy Heel was a big part of that because he was such a good cutter t- towards getting towards open space and and guys knowing where he was going. But their ability to move the ball around even deep into half court sets to me, was has been very impressive. However, does that get stalled, I don't mean forever, but temporarily with a Pascal Siakam because you now have a piece that is a new part of the motion of the wheel that just is not instinctive with those around him? Have we seen that so far? Um, in some cases, I don't necessarily attribute it to, to Pascal Siakam being with the team because I think there's been times even with him that not on the floor. Sometimes the offense is fall. But I do think they do a tremendous job of moving the basketball, whether it's in tra- transition, fast breaks, um, and as you referenced there in, in the half court, they don't really have any what, what we call ball stoppers on the team, where guys are just catching it and dribbling, pounding the air out the out the basketball, and then you know shoot a shot with the with the clock winding down. Um, so they do a really good job of moving it. You know, when in some cases where it doesn't happen, then obviously that's when you'll see the, the offense stall. But um, I do like the addition of Siakam, but for when, in some cases, even especially when the playoffs are to wear on, the, the games will slow down and you won't be able to get that quick offense that they've been grown so accustomed to doing. If you have a guy like him, you can put him in the post and still create double teams and, and find open shooters. So um, I think it's a great acquisition. And uh, ultimately, to, to your point, when the ball is moving and players moving, that's when they're at their best. When you were a player, Eddie, and, and – Certainly, I could probably look this up, and you're, you know, immediately I'm going to go, what a dumb question. But did you have major like in season trades when you were playing? I, I can't remember, I can't recall off the top of my head if there would have no, been that not, sort not, of a thing. Not, not for, not for me personally. Are you saying for me personally? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean to the roster. In other words, you know, you being a point guard, for example, is a, you're a perfect yep. person to say this. How long does it take when you would have a, a roster change in mid season? How long did it take for you? to feel totally acclimated as a team with the new piece that was coming in. I follow you now. Yeah. So yeah, it, there is definitely an adjustment. Um, it, and, uh, there's some varying factors to it though, uh, depending on the player, uh, his style, does he fit with the style? Is he completely contrasting to your style and those types of things? But just overall, it probably will take, you know, a month or so before you're completely integrated and feel really good about, what you're doing, oftentimes, is that the new guy's coming in, and some he's filling filling out what terminology may be, 
uh, specifically on the defense of the midfield. I think that's where the biggest adjustments may be because you may be coming from a system in which terminology is a little bit different, um, concepts are a little bit different. Maybe you're coming from a team that, that likes to pressure up, play a little bit more man-to-man. Other teams play more zone or in any zone at all or not, no zone at all, those types of things. So I think defensively is where the biggest adjustment will be. Um, but with with the Pacers playing uh, somewhat of a random style and it's more about reading and reacting, they, they do have some sets offensively, but uh, oftentimes it's get the ball to Tyrese and let him make it happen. <laughs> but they all they all do a great job of sharing the basketball. They, there's no one holding it. You know, if they draw a double team, they find an open open teammate. So it's it's really uh, it's really good and refreshing to watch. And it, that's the easier adjustment for, as you as you watch what they do. Pacers Radio Network analyst Eddie Gill, nice enough to take some time with us. Eddie, in that same vein, Jake asked you about a player coming in and how long it takes continuity to form. In the Pacers' case, they send out Buddy Heald, who had been sluggish the last couple of games, at least by his standards prior to the trade, but is one of the most prolific three-point scorers in the NBA today and was really able to be a key piece to this offense. How long can you expect, or what's a fair window to get a clear evaluation for the Pacers to adjust to life without Buddy Heald? Uh, I think you just you see how it all transpires over the remainder of the season to, to see how that all looks and, and, um, and who fills that role. Um, I think he was he was great great for the team. Floor spacer, he cuts off the basketball. He started to really evolve as a player and not just a guy who's spacing the floor shooting three-point shots, even though he's one of the best to ever do it. Uh, he'll go down in the history of the game in terms of amongst the league leaders, the three-point makes percentage and all those types of things. But he, he proved to be more than just a, a spacer of the, of the ball, a spacer of the floor, um, a willing passer, a guy who can drive it a little bit. So um, you'll just see how they'll have to fill in that gap over the, the course of the season, but, but I'm confident that they have the pieces to get that done. It's probably pretty clear from all of our seats that Benedict Matherin has the most to gain post-Buddy Heald trade, but when you look at the rest of the roster, where else do you see opportunities now with Buddy Heald gone as they allocate those minutes? Well, I think you've seen it with Andrew Nembhard. Rick uh, really likes him you know, playing in that starting lineup uh, alongside Tyrese Halliburton, takes some of the playmaking responsibilities off his hands, but even more importantly, things he able, he's able to do defensively uh, uh, in terms of pressure and making life tough on, on the opposing point guard or whoever that best perimeter player may be. Both he and Neesmith are kind of sharing that responsibility. Um, but you're, you're seeing that for sure with him. And um, Benedict Matherin, you know, when, when healthy, you, you may see him at some point. Who, who knows what they're going to do with, with that in terms of him starting or not. But he's been terrific coming off the bench, you know, leading leading that bench unit and scoring and, and getting things done there. So I think uh, initially Nimhard and, and, and Ben, once he's back in the lineup, we'll, we'll see the, the, the bulk of those minutes. You know what I love about Nimhard, Eddie? He looks like the kind of guy – that if you walked up to Andrew Nimhart and said, like, you've just won the Powerball, $550 million, he'd go, yeah, cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like this dude this dude is like one aspirin from a coma. Like, you know what I mean? He just is unflappable, right? Oh, man, the most unbelievable disposition of, of any guy out there in terms of – you talk about not getting too high or too low about anything. That is, that is him to a T. It reminds me of uh, the story that um, – Pat Mahomes just told with with Hardman saying, "Hey, you, you know, we just won the Super, the Super Bowl, right?" <laughs> like the guy wasn't celebrating it in, but but that's that's a uh, that's into a T, and you gotta you like to have guys like that on your team because you know they're going to stay calm and amidst um, chaos, um, especially in, when when it gets tight and in tight games. He's you know a type of guy that can be on the floor and, and be productive and not not get too wound up. So we were just talking about Eddie Gill, our guest from Pacers Television and Radio, for that matter, but the former Pacer. Uh, we were just talking about Eddie. Guys on a roster that have a greater value to their team than they might on the open market elsewhere. And to me, it's TJ McConnell for this group. I mean, I'm not there all the time. You're, you see it much closer than do I. But TJ McConnell definitely has like this kind of it factor with his team and – I just I don't know that that translates if suddenly he's doing the same thing at Cleveland or wherever, right? Who was that guy when you played? Who was the guy that you when you played that was such an important player on the bus and in the locker room and everything else, but the typical fan wouldn't realize it? Yeah, that's a uh, that's a really tough one. I'll I'll, I'll think about that. Um, 
you know, those, 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 the Pacers, the Pacers team that I, that I was on. And, um, James Johnson is, is that guy. He's, um, or I said James Johnson. James Jones is who I played with. James Johnson is currently with the Pacers, but and James kind of Jones, that same guy also, right? Yeah, but James Jones was a guy who was um, really tough on D, space the floor, great, great work ethic. I, I mean, great character, just a great guy all, all in all. Um, not one of these big boisterous personalities that you, you're going to see from afar, but a guy who was completely professional, does his job, super effective. And um, he went on to, to play for other teams and was really effective um, with his shot making and, and, and his ability to get things done. And um, so if, if I had to make a comparison, although two very different games, but in terms of impact on the team, uh, that would be him. I guess that's probably why James Johnson went on to become a professional president of basketball operations in the NBA, right? Or James Jones, I mean. <laughs> James Jones did. Yeah. Uh, now, James. Okay, so let me get you. Let me ask you this, then, Eddie. James Johnson, who we both just had a Freudian slip with. That's right. <laughs> a lot of Pacer fans probably look at it and go, "Man, like they keep re-signing him to ten-day deals and ten-day deals, and and they keep prioritizing having him in that locker room, but yet he's never on the floor. What is it that he brings, and what is it that makes him personally so important to this franchise, where they keep bringing him back?" I think there's something to be said about um, the era in which he came into the league in, um, in the kind of the, the mid 2000s. Um, and there was a certain approach to the game that he's able to continue to still convey to these younger players that's still important to the game in terms of um, not only just IQ and how to see the game, how to read the game, but a, a certain toughness that, that's important for the game. Um, a certain mentality in terms of resiliency and from one play to the next, whether it was good or bad. Um, and then also just a guy that, that you have that say, Hey, I've, I've been there and been able to, to, to get this done on this level at a, at a high level. So it's, it's really invaluable um, to, to have guys, especially when you have so many, so many young players, when you think about guys like Isaiah Jackson, uh, Jalen Smith, um, who, who he's played that position at, at this level. Um, so it's good to have him in, in their ear. Obviously, Miles Turner is the, the longest tenured um, player with the, with the Pacers, but even James Johnson is, is able to be able to provide some some guidance and some wisdom to him as well. So um, it's an invaluable resource being able to have a guy like that at the end of the bench um, to to really just speak to the, his wisdom and his his experiences and kind of share that with the young guys. Now, Eddie, you're in Toronto, correct? Correct. Okay, um, what do you do in your free time? Because I have a suggestion. But have you gotten a chance to like walk around Young Street? Or you guys have been there, I think, a day. So, anything fun on the docket? No, it, it, this time of year in Toronto, outside is is, uh, is not the, the greatest. For That's me. probably <laughs> true. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I'm not a I'm not into the cold, even though I've been around the cold my entire life. <laughs> but um, yeah, so. I, I don't really do too much, especially during the day. Well, Roots Canada is my favorite clothing store. Like 90% of my wardrobe is from Roots Canada. And I thought maybe you could do us all a favor by taking Jeremiah over there and getting him out of some of the Ron Burgundy sport coats he wears. Is that a decent okay, idea? I'll make, sure I, I'll make sure I share that with him. And then go out and get a Barking Squirrel, which is the best um, brown like nut ale beer that you can get in Canada. You can't get it in the U.S., just so you know. But uh, once you come okay. back, Eddie, it's All-Star time. All-Star weekend is upon us. I would assume that Eddie Gill probably has a full dance card in terms of the events that you will be a part of once you come back to Indianapolis, correct? Yes, there's a there's, this could be a busy one. I, you know, we'll probably land one or two this morning, and I need to be at Christmas Attics at eight eight thirty tomorrow morning. So it'll it'll start from that point on all the way through Sunday with uh, a fair amount of community engagement events. Um, try to get my family involved in some different things that are obviously the, the NBA crossover stuff like that get them involved in that but um yeah it'll be it'll be nonstop with with different events and there's a, i got a food drive that i'm hosting on the far east side of indianapolis on, on friday morning with the uh, retired players association uh in conjunction with the gleaners food bank that'll be yeah that's tomorrow speaking on a couple panel panels saturday morning so it'll be it'll be a busy one but and it, what's but going be on a great at, one it's gonna be a great time for the city what's going on at christmas addicts tomorrow morning Christmas Addicts partnering with the Retired Players Association. I'm going to remember Jerome Williams, JYD, Detroit Pistons. Yep. Um, he's got a foundation called Shooting for Peace. And ultimately, we're, we'll get in there and visit some classrooms. There's going to be a poetry contest, uh, give out some, some collegiate scholarships, um, give away some laptops, 
we're going to have like a little celebrity game and then finish the day. We'll finish the day with a clinic. And then um, I've invited the IMPD and they do a, they do a game called juvenile jeopardy in which uh, they interact with some, the youth there. And they teach this, a game really about interaction with, um, with, the police department out in, in the communities, right? It was something that uh, I started to do quite some time ago in some other different camps that I've had. So a community can kind of see a police department in, 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 in a different light and, and vice versa. So uh, when they do see each other out in some of these uh, hostile environments or tense environments, they don't end the way we've seen them in in some, some scenarios. Crispus Attucks High School, the first African-American high school to win an undefeated state championship in basketball in any state in the United States. They did that in 1956 here in Indianapolis. And, of course, one of the crown jewels, um, not only from an education standpoint for years on the very near east side of downtown Indianapolis, or excuse me, west side of downtown Indianapolis, but also uh, throughout the state, a huge part of our state's history. Eddie, enjoy that tomorrow. Get some caffeine once you land, and we look forward to enjoying all of the festivities of All-Star Weekend. Absolutely. It'll be a great great, uh, great week for the city, and uh, looking forward to being a part of it. Eddie Gill, who, of course, you can watch on the pre- and post-game for the Pacers and Toronto Raptors tonight up in Canada.